The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Maybe I just have more of a sample size, but I I will say that the cross-cultural engagement that I've had, uh, especially early on, you, you notice everything that's different and inferior to the culture mm-hmm. that you become, you're coming from. One right. thing I've written somewhat uh, extensively about is cultural imperialism, which I mm. think is a real enemy to any long lasting and meaningful you know, impact that we can have for the gospel. We right. need to avoid cultural imperialism. And at the same time, I, I've struggled to try to engage in a meaningful and relational kind of way, I continually seem to get into awkward positions with people who are of a different culture than I am. And I don't know if it's unstated expectations or if they're, I just, I feel like I'm a little bit blindsided from time to time about mm-hmm. behaviors that I don't expect or actions that I don't expect while I'm trying to engage meaningfully and move things forward. And I know I'm right. being extremely general here, but mm. I imagine abundant examples come immediately to your mind. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, Scott, one of the challenges in cross-cultural uh, missions work is that You've got to, you know, how do you engage somebody who is different from you in an honest conversation about their expectations, your expectations, their view of you, their view, your view of them? How do you do that? I mean, that's not an easy thing. So sometimes when we think we have had an honest conversation with someone so that we can really understand where they're coming from, then later we discover we're blindsided by something else. It's really because we assumed that we had dug deep enough in our previous conversation. So mm-hmm. the learning of people is iterative, you know, we, <laughs> because people yes. are layers and we discover yes. things about people as different circumstances arise. So I would say to you that continuing to be blindsided and so on is something that you should expect. It's something that you should welcome. It's never going to go away uh-huh. because when you have relaxed and think you understand people, that's when you really understand that people are a mystery beyond your the understanding that you already had of them. <laughs> and think about that even in our own families, right? There are certain things yes. that happen in the life mm-hmm. of a family and you're like, wow, 40 years later, these people are divorcing. That can't be. What's going on? And, you know, two people say, you know, they're incompatible. You're like, 
you found out four decades later or six <laughs> decades later that you're incompatible. Yeah. But, you know, these things are happening more and more as relationships become even more and more superficial because of the times that we're living in. People are getting so blindsided and they cannot believe some of the things that are going on. So I yes. would say that the missionary, the cross-cultural missionary, must never assume that they have dug deep enough. Even if you try to dig deep enough in one sitting, there are certain conditions sometimes that preclude you having as candid a conversation with someone as you could. And until those circumstances arise, well, you know, you're going to have it. So let me give you a practical example. You know, yes, I was involved please. in the yes. political situation in Zimbabwe. Yes. You can have a very candid conversation about people concerning things of God and so on. And you would think that when you've had that uh, kind of conversation, you've understood how they're going to behave politically. Well, not necessarily so, because mm -hmm. maybe the things that will govern their political behavior is, is the person that is running for office from my tribe? Am I related to that person and stuff like that? So these are totally different factors that cause yes. them to behave in a certain way, <laughs> in a different context. Mm -hmm. And it can frustrate you as a missionary. There's a man of God in Zimbabwe who keeps saying, people are people. And we are always going to be finding out more and more about ourselves and about each other until Jesus comes. Yes. That, and that's I a great that. example. Yes. Thank you for that. Very interesting. I think also something that was has been challenging to me you know, the leader is the person who takes action, right? That's the proactivity mm -hmm. is the essence of leadership. So you find yourself taking action, you're overseas, or you're in a different world from the one you grew up in. And you, as you said, you're trying to bring about change, or you're trying to be a part of the change that's trying to take place, as you've mentioned. And you have a conversation. I remember very clearly having a conversation with someone that I thought went a certain way. And then someone from the culture who understood my culture called me aside later and said, you don't know what just happened. <laughs> and I'm saying, what do you like, mean? This is what happened. They said, here's what you said and here's what was heard. Right. And that was right. so instructive to me in those early days. And I think we have to continue to, even though we grow in our ability to understand each other, we also need to keep in mind that it's not going to approach 100%. There's still things no, it's we're not. going to learn. And, and besides, Scott, it, it, so what does the Bible say? The Bible says, be careful how you hear. Mm. So if I have to be careful how I hear, I thought that hearing was just, in, you know, somebody speaking and I'm hearing. No, no, no. There's right. uh, so much that is involved in hearing. And I think that it's important for us to understand that. And the, the Bible tells us about these things. But I, I think a lot of times we missionaries overlook some of these things that the Bible says to us. And uh, we're thinking more in terms of, you know, the people out there as the objects of the word of God. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, there is a lot that the Bible says to me as somebody who is out there in the field that I learn every day. I think the other thing that's important is where do missionaries learn from? So, I, I think for many years, you know, missionaries would learn from their own resources that they have developed, not mm -hmm. from the market itself. And I'm, I'm generalizing here. 
Sure, it's okay. The thing yeah. that I have learned the most, and, and I'm really, it's not surprising to me. It's something that even when I wrote the challenge of leadership earlier on, I was really very much aware of the fact that in many ways we are restricting where we can tap the knowledge that prepares us for missions work a, long, a lot of times by thinking we can learn it at a Bible school. Right. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of Bible schools out there that will teach you the Word of God, but that don't really teach you much about people. Mm. You learn people in the mission field. It's hard to learn people. It, no matter how well-intentioned people are and the certain cross-cultural experiences that can be prepared in the process of education and stuff like that. But that's just, it's supposed to make you ready to learn more when you go into right. the mission field. But we yes. assume that when we go into the mission field, we understood. No, no. It's a totally <laughs> different, uh, <laughs> you know, once you get in there, it's like being right. in a battlefield and you have well-laid-out plans, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of those well-laid-out plans won't survive the first ambush. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> yes. Because wow. the, really being in the mission field is like being ambushed every day, you know, being wow. ready. So what happens when you're ambushed? A good soldier doesn't prepare for conditions of battle where they're in control of everything. That's mm-hmm. not a soldier. If you're in control of everything, you're not a soldier because you cannot yes. be con- in control of what is going to happen on the mission field. So we go there out there as soldiers of Christ prepared to handle things that we, that we don't know. That's what distinguishes, I think, a leader, a missionary from managers and others. Mm. I want to key something that you said there just to reinforce it by way of repetition. The the formal training that you're talking about, whether that's Bible school or what, whatever it might be, is practically speaking, putting us in a position to learn once the yes. engagement starts, rather yes. than putting us in the position of being an expert when we arrive in the context. <laughs> is that is that a good way to summarize? Yeah, and that's the only way you can. So a lot of people get burnt out because they are disappointed. I mean, what is disappointment? <laughs> you know, disappointment is that your expectation was not fulfilled. So right. things that happened that you were not prepared for. And right. if you go into the mission field and you have certain expectations and they're not met and you're disappointed, well, what does the word of God say, though? The, the word of God says the, his word will not go out there and will not return to him null and void. So if you mm-hmm. do anything in obedience to God, there will be fruit. <laughs> you yes. know, it might not be the fruit that you expect, but you have to mm. be very careful about your expectations. And I'll tell you, that's a hard thing for me. <laughs> that's a really hard thing for me because I want to go out there. I want to bring about change. I want to tell people my testimony and I want little Noahs to be created from the testimony, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> But it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of times. So one of the most fulfilling things for me is years later, somebody coming up to me and I don't know this person. Mm. And they say, man, the impact that you had on my life. I'm like, what is this person talking about? I have no idea, <laughs> you know, but I think that's, that is a much more, I think that's how God works. You know, there are times when he will reward us with knowing exactly what has happened and we'll preach and thousands of people will get saved. 
Right. And the moment we begin to believe in that so much that we preached and people got saved, instead of we planted one seed and without us knowing a hundred thousand people got saved because of that seed that we planted. Mm. I think we're good with that. Then our motivation might actually not be quite right. Yes. Wow. I've often said that life is the ongoing purification of motives. And uh, <laughs> I think, I think in my case, that's true for sure. Oh, mine um, too, man. <laughs> yeah. Praise God that he continues to remind us that the, the example is Christ and we're growing to that full Amen. stature that was expressed and demonstrated in the life of Jesus that we're, we're all making progress toward. Amen. That's certainly my hope. Amen. So what I would like to do, if mm-hmm. possible is to talk a little bit about your documentary. Of course, we'll do another episode where we'll unpack Mm -hmm. the documentary more. I know you're getting really close. And by the time this publishes, your documentary will be available. Can you give us just some generalities about the documentary? What made you want to do that? How you got started a little bit, maybe about the essence of what we could expect from the documentary. And then as we close that up, I'd like to make sure people have a way to get access to more information about what you guys have produced, what you are producing, and about your ministry in general. Yeah. So basically, in fact, all these things are connected, Scott. And thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I'm really yes. honored to be here. And, Most and the, welcome. Thank you. I, I think I think that these things are re- really related. The documentary that we are working on is called Lions at the Gate. What Keeps Africa From Rising? And it's actually supposed to be the first in a series of documentaries under the Lions at the Gate brand that we're working on because a future one will be what are the Lions at the Gate that prevent inner city communities, for instance, from uh, transforming. So it's not just about Africa. This is just the first one. And what I wanted to do was to kind of provoke discussion and for people to go a little deeper because there's some things that we assume about Africa, even when we haven't studied it, (laughs) you know, we assume certain things because of the things that we see and we're like, uh, you know, it doesn't rise because of the culture, but are you sure it's the culture? It might actually be the politics or it might actually be the culture. Uh, uh, What is it that causes uh, people not to rise? There are some books that have been written about the contribution of aid, the contribution of global charity, for instance, because it can nurture dependency. But at the same time, you ask yourself and you say, well, if people are vulnerable in a continent that was subjected to historic plunders and ravages, shouldn't the international community respond with acts of charity to that? You know, all of those things are are very, very relevant. And also, but central to this whole thing is the fact that Africans are human, just like anybody else. And if you go back now, if we're looking at this from a biblical standpoint, we would say everybody was created. We are all the descendants of Adam, who was created by God in his image and given capacity to prevail to have dominion over the world. And so Africa can rise because Africa has people (laughs) who are given that kind of capacity, you know, so you can transfer that into the inner city. And of course the inner city can rise because the inner city, there are people there. But then what we want to understand is why is it not rising? If it can rise, if the capacity is there to rise, why is it not rising? So all these things, you know, people can go to uh, 
just follow what we're doing because the, the documentary will be out in, in a month or so. And uh, right. people can follow on my YouTube channel, which is Noah Manika, N-O-A-H, Noah is in the Ark Builder, and Manika, M-A-N-Y-I-K-A. And uh, people can also follow me on my personal website, which is noamanyika.com. And on there, we're also going to be talking about not just the documentary, but also the book that's going to come out of this uh, dissertation that I just finished, which yes. articulates the prevail model of social transformation and things like that. So, yes. uh, you know, exciting wow. times and uh, just yes. look, at, look forward to interacting with as many people as possible. Yes, sir. Again, we'll get you back. We'll talk about those, the seven principles of prevailing leadership. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yes. Transformational prevailing. leadership, I think. Is, yes. Yeah, transformational yeah. leadership. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that is, I, I've been studying leadership for more than 25 years, not at the doctorate level, <laughs> I got to say that, but at the experience level for sure. So I'm, I continue to learn and I'm thankful for that. Really excited about what the Lord's bringing you guys through in terms of the process and what you're learning. I appreciate your diligence, too, to follow through with those things that you've started, even Thank against you. some, I would speculate, some resilient opposition. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You yeah. know, so the prevail message is to me first. You know, I must prevail. Yes. Even over. <laughs> Amen. The, the, even sure. the internal oppositions in my own mind and in my own body, you know, so. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm understanding more of that these days myself. We'll backlink to the YouTube channel and we'll also backlink to your personal website. The upcoming documentary, Lions at the Gate, and this would be the first edition of that, which is related specifically to why Africa doesn't rise. I'm looking forward to that ongoing conversation with you and again, continuing to try to learn. You know, learning is uncomfortable. You know, it's got to take it you is. from where you are to a different place. Yeah. And that journey is not smooth and well-paved so often. Yeah. So thank God. It, and Scott, if I could just add real quick, remember that when you start learning, then somebody's going to be looking at your work and saying, what is this rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, at a certain age. <laughs> yes, yes, at so, a certain so age. E even though I've done this before, I did approach my, the defense of my dissertation with trepidation. You know, it, it wasn't, uh -huh. it was a scary moment to have four people there asking you questions or listening to what you're doing or your supervisor going through your work and sending it back and saying, what are, what are you trying to say here. So it's a humbling <laughs> process. <laughs> I can relate somewhat. I'm, I'm my final manuscript is ready on my first book and the editor took me to the woodshed at least a dozen <laughs> times. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Yes. 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 Well, no, I look no, forward to the book so also. Much. That'll be the result of your dissertation defense. And just, I thank you for your friendship and for your continuing Same testimony. Here, Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you for coming to the mission field in the United States from your native Zimbabwe and for spending so much of your life in a contribution here. And that, that to me is very honorable. Thank you so much for that. You know, as people from the U.S., we often think we're we don't see past our sending to someone else, which is, again, cultural imperialism, like I was referring to earlier. But God forgive us and thank you for coming. 
we'll restate again the Noah Manika YouTube channel and the Noah Manika website as well. We'll backlink in yes. here. Anything final you want to say as a parting greeting? You know, thank you so much, uh, Scott, and thank you for all you do uh, and, and the vision that you have. You know, may, may the Lord continue to open doors for you. And just want to say, you know what, be encouraged uh, in all the work that you do. I know that you do business as missions and missions as, you, you, you know, and that's something that is also very, very important. Uh, it takes oh, you, you into places that are uncharacteristically interesting for a missionary. <laughs> and so keep pressing. And, thank and thank you. you for everything and look forward to talking again soon. Yes, very soon we shall. Thank you. And please give our greetings to your family and, and to those who are working with you. We look forward to talking again soon. Thank you. Same to you. As for me, I am Scott McClelland, and this is your FX Missions Leadership Moment. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.